Hi, this is Gordon Davis, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello. It was defeat for Fulham at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday, where a spirited performance was to no avail as a white slip to a 2-1 defeat. Our main man is still on fire though, scoring his sixth goal in six games, proving that he really can do it in the Premier League. It's not all doom and gloom though, as Fulham still sit in 10th place in the Premier League as we head into Saturday's huge West London derby against that lot down the road. Joining me to to discuss it all and Morgs and Tristan. Robinson squashed, my name is Wigo and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Right then, guys. Good to see you both. Hope you're both doing well. Uh, Morgan, you were at a wedding on Saturday. How was it? Are you recovered? I think so. I felt a little bit fragile on the Sunday, um, but a son of a good wedding, right? I mean, although when I was uh, I was keeping track of the game, uh, well, trying to, and I had no idea what the score was at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, through <laughs> your, check on Sunday morning through your uh, blurry eyes. Tristan, how are you, mate? How was your weekend? Were you at the game on Saturday? Yeah, got 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 there. It was yeah, I, a good weekend. Um, it was hard to be despondent, really, with a game despite the result. I thought we um, we were up against the best side we've played this season, so um, I, I I thought we 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 kind of dug in and 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 actually, you know, could have somehow nicked something out of it at the end. So yeah, no, it was. Um, I glad I went. Glad I got to visit the Tottenham Stadium, but um, yeah, not 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 a bad weekend, mate. Yeah, it's definitely a beautiful stadium, isn't it? I mean, walking up to it, my first reaction was just, wow. And it was a long walk as well from uh, Tottenham Hale Station. You know, they really didn't think about that one. But um, yeah, you know, walk into it, beautiful stadium. Obviously, all the beer fills up from the bottom. You know, it's the little things that uh, that impress you. But it was a bit of a quiet first half an hour, really, wasn't it? Um, the, the main event for that half an hour being Anthony Robinson, unfortunately, going off injured. Um no left back on the bench. I, I can only assume Kazara isn't fit. Morgs, Kevin and Babu came on at left back. Um, you know, it was tough for him. Hadn't started a game in the league. And the first one, he's thrown on in left back. Uh, do you think this changed the game so early on? I think what you have with um, the issue where a right back tries to play left back and they're not used to it is it, it's not like being, uh, and I think we spoke about this actually in the, the WhatsApp group, it's not like being a winger. You can't cut inside. That's not your role. You're there to, you know, mark the right winger um, of, you know, of the attacking team. And when you're kind of on your weak side, it is going to be really awkward. Um, and, you know, I only I only saw the highlights, but from what I saw from the extended ones, Mbappé really struggled with that uh, converting to left back. And that's, you know, it's understandable that he would. Um, you know, in our in the twenty seven years of supporting Fulham, I only remember one uh, right footed left back, and that was Carlos Salcedo, and he was dreadful for the most part. So it is a difficult thing to do. Um, it's also one of those uh, situations where, yeah, you do have to just bring someone on who is most suited uh, to that role, 
And given the fact that, you know, Kazawa wasn't fit, match ready, or whatever it is he may be, uh, who else are you going to bring on? We did, we did have a left winger on the bench. I mean, it's Mbabu or nothing, really, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I think it was going to be tricky for anyone that came on because Richarlison, I thought, looked absolutely fantastic first half. Tristan, there was no stopping him really first half. I think the only thing that was missing from his performance was a goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I, I, he, he, I said to a couple of my Spurs, I've got a couple of mates of Spurs fans that um, didn't make the game at the weekend and I sort of said, yeah, I, th- I thought Richarlison was outstanding. I'll, I'll just go back to the... And Barbie thing, though, I think, you know, we have seen a few fullbacks cover on, on both sides before over the years. You know, obviously, Rossini did it to, to, to great um, effect in his, in his debut against Ronaldo, against Ronaldo and then never kind of quite had a game like it again. Um, Odoi, of course, could cover on both sides. But I think the key there is is, is a player's got to be more obviously both-footed than, than, than Barbie was. And... and the, the, the reason I want to come back to it is because I, I actually I I think that absolutely Morgan's right. I think he he couldn't do the things that a normal fullback could do. That 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 first goal's come basically because he didn't have the option of a of, of the ball up the line or, or or at least into touch on his left side because he couldn't he couldn't use his foot. But I, there there were elements beyond that, that that concerned me a little bit, and I think that 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 we need you know. Silver to be worked. I think there's, a, there's. I'm not writing him off. Obviously, I think you're an idiot if you do at this stage. But there, and there's a player in there. But there was a point in the second half that that really concerned me, and it was there. There was a a similar incident where he lost the ball kind of on on the angle of our 18 yard box just outside it early in the second half, and he, he in doing so he went in for a challenge that he ended up on the floor and he kind of just led there on the floor and you just got this feeling from his 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 body uh you know his body shape and all the rest of it that he just didn't want to be on the pitch and that's what that's what it kind of looked like to me and i i i mentioned on twitter i said you know i haven't seen a fullback kind of react like that since and and you guys are probably too younger to re- remember it but there was a guy who played for brighton called peter smith who had one shocking game at right back against us in probably about 94, 95, something like that. And the enclosure really got on his back and he completely fell apart. And he was actually a very good right back. He, he I think he got in divisional teams of the season and stuff. But every, every time he played against us after that, he just had a shocker and he fell apart. And actually, Mbabu re- really reminded me of him a little bit on on, on Saturday. So I, I, that that's a bit of a concern. Um Albeit, yes, I think there's mitigation there that he wasn't on his right side, but uh, but but yeah, I think there's that it's indicative, I think, of of what we've got in the squad at the moment, where we seem to have a lot of players at a very similar level in certain positions, and no one really outstanding. I guess we'll come on to that later. Um, but sorry, I've gone on a, off on a mad, massive tangent. Yeah, yeah, Richarlison was really good. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, you're you're right though in the sense you're the right though in the sense that you can't write him off because the games that he has played for us uh, so far, you know, he's shown promise, and obviously he's got a great cross. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I don't think you know it's as a, an attacking right back, he's brilliant. Just if it ever gets to the point that we need to bring him off a left back again, uh, on the back, then uh, don't do it. Shift him right to left that, back if uh, needs must, and that was exactly I, I made. The, I, I thought was the move. I thought you know if Robinson's gone off with what we had available, I thought Ream over and then one of Diop or Duffy on in Ream's place. Now I don't know if Silver's thinking there was, you know, 
doesn't want to disrupt a, a, a centre-back pairing that's been doing pretty well. But I thought that would have been the more sensible move at the time because, of course, Ream played a lot of his career before he joined Fulham at left-back and he's, he's filled in there at times for us as well. So, yeah, agreed. I, I think agreeing on, on, on most of your points there, Morgan. So, a question to both of you then. Do you think Silva could have potentially gone with changed it up a bit, matched Spurs formation, gone three at the back, bring on... Diop, maybe as an example, you know, we've had Bobby Deck or David Reed play wing back a couple of years ago and he did it well. Let's be fair. Could that have been an option for Silva? Because I think, I think if anything, Saturday's a learning curve. In the Premier League, we are still learning and we're still getting to grips with this team. And I do feel sorry for Mbabu because he was thrown into the deep end. And I think Kazawa would have struggled as well on a natural left foot. Um, on Saturday. But yeah, what's your opinion on that, guys? Do you reckon we could have gone three centre-backs or was it just not I, worth it? I mean, I per- I personally wouldn't have done because I think, you know, I, I, although I've made a big point about Mbabu there and, and it sounds like, I'm, I, you know, the, the the other thing I'd say is that I, I think especially first half, I think we grew into it, but I think in the second half, but I think especially first half, you had five or six players who, who who probably had individually their worst performances of the season, and and you know, I, I I wouldn't say they were terrible performances, but they were the, they weren't at the exceptional level you've seen. And I'd include players like Polina in there. I'd include players like Ream in there who have been absolutely outstanding this season. And of course, they're going to have days where they're not absolutely outstanding. They're just half decent and 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 you know I think unfortunately we just had a collection of those all at once so I don't think it was really anything that we needed to change around and, and fiddle with a formation that's, that's that's been working for us um I just think it was a it was a combination of you know a few of our players having off days an injury to a left back and a Spurs side who, who as I've said I think they're the best side we've played this season most certainly most dangerous by a, a, a bit of a margin, actually. I, I thought they were very good, Tottenham. I think if you start changing, if you start going to something like three at the back when you've played the whole season with four at the back, um, that's where danger lies, really. And obviously he wasn't, uh, you know, didn't realise that Mbappé was going to have such a bad game. Uh, but at the same time, if Mbappé had a good game, um, Spurs still would have been very good. And they've shown all season that they're an incredibly well-drilled, well-organised side that you'd expect from an Antonio Conte team. And I think they are one of those teams that will be pushing the top two. I don't know. I don't think they're going to challenge Man City, but I mean, they certainly could sort of gazump Liverpool as the second place side. And I think it's if you start sort of changing the formation middle of the first half, uh, you know, you're opening yourselves up to a lot of confusion when, you know, yourselves are well drilled in that formation so I think the fact that Mbabu had a bad game probably just it was one of those things and I think they'll get they'll move on to the next game it was only 2-1 it's not like we've suffered a you know debilitating 5-0 defeat on the on the road we go into the next game heads held high and hopefully sort of just Losing those, some of those mistakes. Um, hopefully, Robinson's fit. I don't know what the status of his injury is. Um, and if he's not fit, then hopefully Kazawa is actually ready to come in. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier it was a spirited performance. And I, I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, we held Tottenham off for as long as we could. Hingmin Son hit the bar. But then they did eventually break the deadlock. Uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, I think that's his name, uh, scored, it, scored the first goal for Spurs. It was a well-worked goal in the end, a quick one-two, and uh, managed to get past Burnt Leno. Tristan, it was coming, wasn't it? I think it was uh, you know, fair to go in 1-0 down in the first half. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think we did quite well to go with one nil down first half. I think it could have been, you know, at least two or three in reality. I, you know, Leno's made, as you say, made a couple of good saves. Son's got to be scoring that. I mean, I, I again, I as as I reported back to my Spurs mates about Ricarlison, I also said, you know, Son looks like he needs a rest. He he, he didn't look at it at all, really. I, and and I think was was probably there. Their weaker performance. Sessignon, of course, had the, the, the sort of angled long ranger that just went wide. I mean, we were right at the angle of that shot and it was very close um, that, that, that kind of just missed the post. So, yeah, they had they had a few decent chances and then other sort of bounces around the, the box, things blocked and stuff. And I can only remember a, a, a long shot from Pereira that kind of was was a long way right wide about after about fifteen minutes. I can't really remember anything else we we did in the first half. So yeah, I I, I think even if we'd have gone in two three down, no one could really have had any complaints. So yeah, we we dug in. We were we were res, as resilient as we could be. Yeah, and you said about Son being off form there, but one player that was on form was Harry Kane, and he added Spurs' second in the second half. Um, Morgan, again, probably one that was coming. It was sort of, you know, a bit of a rebound in the box. The ball eventually broke to him and uh, came with an easy tap in, really. What's your reaction to that? Because, as I say, I think it was probably a fair fair scoreline at the time. Oh, mate. I mean, when that went in, I was about sort of seven bottles of wine down. So, I mean, I went and sort of like... Uh, <laughs> but also, when I watched the highlights and I saw it, I was like, uh, you look at that and go, well, okay. Kane's not going to miss that. But the thing is, Harry Kane always scores against us. The fact he hadn't scored meant it was only a matter of time before he did. And he's one of these players that, you know, he's, for Spurs, generational. You know, he's a brilliant striker. You don't let him have the ball anywhere near the goal, realistically. And if you're going to give him an open goal, he's going to force that in. Um, But when you look... At the uh, the way the goal came about, it was doggedness from Spurs. I mean, we kept trying to clear it. They kept coming at us, and they dug in, they dug in, they dug in, and they got the ball in the net. It wasn't a pretty goal by any stretch of the imagination. And I think when you look at something like that, you go, "Right, that's a team that is that really the team that really believes in themselves." And when you come up against that pace as well, I mean, they were all so quick, and. Whilst, you know, we've done very well, we've put in a lot of solid performances, we're not the quickest team um, at times. And, you know, we just didn't react quick enough, I don't think. We just needed to hoof that ball clear, but we just couldn't do it. And, uh, yeah, Kane, less than six yards out with an open goal, isn't going to miss that, is he? Yeah, you know, it was a good goal. And I suppose if you're taking your club hat off here and you're putting your England hat on, you know, promising form for him for the World Cup, which I suppose you know I'm looking. I'm saying that through gritted teeth because obviously I'd have liked him to have played shit on Saturday, but he didn't, and he's had a very good start to the season. Um, question to both of you then: Harry Kane, 188 goals in the Premier League, 29 years old. Just simple yes or no: Will he break Alan Shearer's record, Tristan? Um, what is it? Two sixty. Two sixty. About another eighty he needs. It'll be. He's- It'll he's be 72, really, he's, he's 72 off equal in the record and he's yeah, 73 to break it. Yeah, he'll be really there it. or thereabouts, wouldn't he? If he, if he stays fit, I'd, yeah, I mean, it's a, a flip of a coin, I think. I'd, 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 I wouldn't even be able to give a... a, a, a it's a 50-50 for me, that one, because it's 
He is. He's. I think his goals return. If you look at it, he is slightly slowing down. Um, he, he he still needs to be really fifteen to twenty a season, and 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 that's if he stays fit. So yeah, coin toss. I'll say no just to just to annoy my Spurs mate. <laughs> Mogs. Yes. Yes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could tell Tristan's more of a politician than <laughs> But, I mean, you know, he wasn't the only striker on the pitch to get a goal. Our man, Mitrovic, another goal. Uh, you know, six in six now. All of this stuff at the start of the season. You see it all on Twitter. Mitrovic can't do it in the Prem. I've said this a couple of times this season about people starting to call back on uh, what they said before. And it's the same again. Um, what a goal. What a great goal. Tristan... Just give me your reaction to it, because it was a great ball by Kenny Tete, wasn't it? And then just a sheer class from Mitrovic to yeah, put that ball in the back of the net. Yeah, it's quite, it, it, it was quality. I think, um, you know, he, he, he's, his first touch is great. I think that, that, that kind of gives him a yard, which, you, you know, he then steps inside the, descend, the, the defender and the, the, the curl of the ball, the arc of the ball was perfect, but... It just it just doesn't. I mean, you you've had me on a few times now, and, and and know my opinion and know my history with Mitrovic, and just none of this surprises me. I, I think you know I, I've I've been saying he's capable of this for you know since we signed him. So it, it, none of, none of it surprises me, and I think he'll continue to do so. I think he'll have the odd performance where he he. he doesn't necessarily do so well, but I can I can see him if he stays fit, if if the team stays. With a with, with with a level of confidence that they've got at the moment, I can see him going twenty this season, um, which is which would be a phenomenal return and a and a two fingers up to, you know, ninety five percent of the football community. I think it, it's it's. I, I made the comment on Facebook this afternoon. It's actually really annoying me at the moment that all these media outlets and publications are, are kind of bigging him up at the moment, and you know they're just, they're the exact same ones that six months ago were making Saki Twitter posts about him scoring three or four goals next season when he got his 43 last season. So I, 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 that's annoying me a little bit because, you know, they, 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 were, they were happy to coat him a few months ago. So, um, no, it's great to see and It was a great goal. Oh, he was quiet, wasn't he? But he still, you know, he was, he was a Loris fingertip away from, from getting us an equaliser as well. Yeah, and he was fantastic. And that, as you say, you know, brilliant goal. He could get 20 this season. And Morgs, Mitrovic is really, he's having his strengths played to under Marco Silva, isn't he? I just, do you think a lot of this form, you know, he's probably always been this good. Does the manager help, do you think? Because he was good under Slav. Obviously, the last manager was shocking. But, you know, under Silva, he's just a different animal, isn't he? He is, because Silva's put his arm around him, told him how much it means to him, and he's building on the confidence that his manager's given him. And he's a classic case for a confidence, uh, confidence player. And he's incredibly talented. They knew he was talented when he signed for Newcastle when he was, what, 18? Now, the fact that we've got him now in what is are his prime years, what, he's 27 now? Yeah. Um, you know, it's he's off the back of what can only be described as an absolute you know sensational season he's come into the premier league got all these sort of doubters who let's face it are play people that haven't really watched him or if they've watched him they've watched highlights or they're just focused on you know the season where he scored three goals and that's just i mean that's just 
fucking lazy at the best of times as a journalist. I don't care if you're sort of, you know, if uh, we saw that, you know, Salah only scored three goals one season, but only saw that he played like, you know, five games, we'd say it was a crap season. Now, in this case, he's come out, he's shown people how good he is. They've seen the goals that he scored as well. And obviously the Spurs one was just that very bit different because uh, most of his goals this season have been from his first touch. Or, you know, a header or, you know, um, a snaps sort of uh, strike. But this one, it was, you know, a kind of like a, what would you call it, like a number 10 finish almost. He, It was just sort of, it was sublime, really. And I think he's just been given the, you know, permission to do what he does up there. Obviously, he's adding so much more to the team as well. His strength is not sort of, you know, it's not being called out by the refs. And I think that was kind of a bit of a worry that, you know, I think maybe in the championship, he he was putting his body around and the refs were, you know, calling it. But they're letting the game flow a bit more this season. And, you know, uh, derided as it is, VAR is there to cancel out goals if there's been a foul but in sort of you know the referees letting the game play on and they're realizing that his challenges are fair he is just a big muscly bloke and you know they're saying that it's the somewhat of the return of the traditional number nine and it's great to see really because as you say he could well score 20 goals a season there will be quiet patches obviously no striker goes through a whole season uh, on fire the whole time so let's you know Look forward to, you know, while he's having this purple patch. And if he does go through a bit of a, you know, sort of a damp squib of a few games, then he needs Silver's arm around him to go, you know, you can do better. Or you know that you can get out of this. And he'll come back. I think one thing you said, no strikers on fire all season. I think Mitrovic was last season, wasn't he? I think there were a couple of games when it wasn't. I think he went three games once without scoring. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, it's still pretty much all season as far as I'm concerned. Um, all right, all right. <laughs> we'll he's, he's, having, he's having a terrible run for the national team, to be fair. He's only got eight in his last 11. <laughs> oh, Awful, drop him. Um, no, don't take him to Qatar. Um, one player one player that did play well was Bernd Leno. I know, obviously, we conceded two goals. Technically, we conceded four, but obviously two of them were rightly ruled out. Um but some of the saves were just unbelievable. I mean, three million pounds plus add-ons, but I'm calling it three million. Tristan, what a great signing! What do you reckon? Yeah, isn't it funny? Because even that one, you know, you see on on social all the experts on social media. There were people like, oh, you know, dive. Not good enough for Arsenal. Why should we sign him? You know, why do why do we want Castos from and and. <laughs> It's ridiculous. He was always clearly, clearly a very good keeper. But yeah, he's been outstanding, and I think you know, good, good that he's been integrated into the side. And 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 I've really liked kind of any of the media he's done as well. He's come out, he spoke after the Spurs game, and said the right things, and you know, said that we weren't you know necessarily on it, but the the the, the, the players are still you know confident, etc. So I think you, you you know both sides of that are good. He's he's, he's clearly the best. Keeper we've had at the club since since you know Schwarzer, I think I don't, I don't think that would be controversial. Um, whether whether he ends up being in that same bracket as as, as the two that everyone would always talk about, we'll, we'll we'll have to see, and a lot will probably depend on what happens this season with that. But um, yeah, he's been he's he's been excellent. He's been absolutely superb. 
I think it's kind of um, a bit early to uh, sort of like make a massive sort of judgment on his uh, career at uh, Fulham to date. But you're right; he's such a calming presence mm-hmm. in in the box, and you know, without being uh, you know harsh to Rodak, you know, you know, many would have called for him to you know have uh, this season as a chance. But you need someone like that in the Premier League. You need someone who's going to come in an organized defense who has, uh, you know, that experience of, uh, you know, coming up against Premier League attackers or teams generally and, you know, the confidence uh, to really, you know, be big as a goalkeeper. And I think, you know, we are very lucky that we got him eight for such a, you know, measly price by the looks of it. And two, that he sort of, he's come to us and actually sort of performed as we'd hoped, because, you know, it could have been a disaster. He could have come in and sort of dropped a couple of clangers straight off the bat. Um, but no, I think what we're seeing here is, as you say, the best keepers in Schwartz. I think he is um, an upgrade on Ariola. I thought Ariola was great, but at the same time, I think you look at Leno and go, he's more assured. I think he's a, you know, better all-round goalkeeper. Uh, I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, how he pans out over the season. And I, I just, what I do hope is that Rodak doesn't leave in January. I hope that he stays for the season. I hope he learns from uh, Leno. And, you know, whether he's still with us come, you know, next season, who knows. But I hope he takes this as an opportunity to learn from someone who is actually, you know, an excellent goalkeeper. And Morgs, you mentioned about Leno's Premier League experience, um, something that is crucial. And we had three debutants on uh, Saturday, all of whom had Premier League experience. William, Dan James and Carlos Vinicius. How do you reckon they did? I mean, Dan James came on, he looked okay, he put a really decent cross in, which was something that I feel like we'd been missing on Saturday, actually. Um, William and Vinicius didn't have as much of an impact on the game, but, you know, what do you expect? They'd only been, well, Vinicius and James had only been with the club a day and a half. Um, Morgs, just sort of sum up the three of them, really. I think they're going to be good signings in the long run, don't you reckon? I think so. I think Willian's, uh, uh, you know, definitely a squad player. I think Vinicius is going to be a useful uh, backup to Mitro, and he'll probably come on and play alongside Mitro if we, you know, we're one or two down. Um, but Dan James, you know, a lot of people were kind of against this signing. I know that a lot of, you know, other teams who were chasing him, uh, their fans were laughing at the idea of signing him. But the reaction <clears throat> that the Leeds fans have had and especially the Leeds manager Jesse Marsh at him leaving uh you know it makes me think that we've actually got a decent player in our hands he's come in having played last season out of position for the most part covering for Bamford he's incredibly quick and given the style of um you know Silver's you know tactics this season I think having someone that pacey is going to be a real danger you know as long as you know Mitro can keep up with them I think, um, you know, this, that could be a really good partnership. Uh, I think when you look at him, um, he is still, what, he's still young. He's only 23. Um, and I just think we have a really good player on our hands. And, you know, if we stay up, we sign him permanently. And the, whilst the other two, you know, I think they are good squad players. But I think uh, Dan James is the standout one of those three. And Tristan, the rumours originally, before it was a loan, the rumours were £20 million for Dan James. Now, from my perspective, I, I've i never seen him as a £20 million player, let alone a £25 million player. 
What are your opinions on him? Do you think a loan deal with a potential option is a good deal for us? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I never believe the twenty million just because you know, as 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 you you you, you know, I keep a close eye on the FFP, and I just didn't see that we had that to spend last minute on 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 any signing. So um, I did. I, I could never see that happening for twenty million, but yeah, alone I, I think is fair enough, and I think yeah, I'd, I'd agree that they're they're actually with Morgan. I think he's the one out of the three that you'll see a fair bit. I think our hands almost got forced with the the, the Willian signing. I think you know because of the injuries to Solomon and and Wilson, we need someone in um, that gives us some, some some cover on the the wings. But I think both certainly once once both of them are back, but but probably even when one of them are back, we, we, we I, don't, I don't know how much we'll see of him. Um, Vinicius, yeah, the same. He's you know he's not going to play for, for instead of Mitro much um, probably to complement or or just rest up. Um, and and I think Dan James will be I, the, the the thing that Morgan said there about you know that pace could be. I, I keep sort of envisioning that that um, that sort of reverse sweep that Mitro does to Wilson every every three or four games, where he gets the ball played into his feet and then swings it round sort of oh, behind yeah. him down the wing. Um, you know that onto someone like James, who's got a lot of pace, could be you, you, you know a devastating counter if they can kind of sync up in the same way that Mitro and, and, and Wilson did last year. So yeah, I, I, I agree, and I think a, a loan deal is, is is. I'm not a great advocate of loan deals, but I think this one is a is 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 a is a good one for us. Yeah, as you say about that Mitro pass, I remember it against Man City in the FA mm. Cup last year. That was uh, probably my favourite one because he had a few of them. And right, guys, we sort of went off on a bit of a tangent there for Spurs, but we'll just quickly sum that up. Um, is there a man of the match you can give us? I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll kick it off. I'll go with Burnt Leno. I think that one was uh, given. Tristan? Yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd be Leno. I, I, don't, I don't think um, there, I, there, there was no one that had, apart from the ones we've mentioned, that had a real shocker, but I'd, Leno was standout, wasn't he? I thought he had a very good game. Yeah, Morgan, same question to you as well. You I'm going I'll abstain because obviously I wasn't at the game. I didn't see the whole match. Uh, obviously, what I saw of Leno, he looked like he was sort of the standout player. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll. Uh, I won't say a man of the match because I'll just be picking a name up my ass, really. <laughs> Fair enough. You always chat out your ass anyway, so uh, nothing out of the ordinary <laughs> I'm there. About it. Yeah, that is true. Um, Right, one thing I did see on Twitter actually was from you, Tristan, and that was a very interesting tweet that you put out uh, earlier today about uh, who's had the toughest start in the Premier League. But I'll tell you what, I won't sit here and explain it. I'll let you talk us through your sort of findings there and your stats, if you don't mind. Yeah, it ended up being a double tweet because the first one got questioned by... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a couple of people so so basically I, I, I ju- it was really simple I just went right what are the league positions of every of every team that every team in the Premier League has played and who who's there for based on on current the current league table who's had the hardest or easiest start um, and we were we were um, top of that one we we had had the hardest start with an average league position of kind of seven. Um, the, the the average across all of the teams is ten and a half, so we were we were well ahead of that, um, and, and we were the biggest outlier because what you what you tend to find when you're looking at it in the current season is that the best um, the teams at the top will will, will have the worst uh, they, they'll look like they've played the worst teams because everyone below them's 
worse than them, effectively. Um, so, yeah, the, but, but then what I also did was I, I, I kind of almost cross-checked it against, right, so if we say what were the, 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 the league positions in, in at the ending table from last season, so i.e. Man City first, Liverpool second, putting the, the promoted sides in 18th, 19th and 20th in order, who's had the hardest start from that? And again, it was Fulham um, with 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 around seven um, again an average position. So we w- whatever metric you look at it, we we've actually in terms of the opposition we faced, we've 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 had the hardest start. Um, and and we you know you only have to look. We played five five of our six have been against teams in the top eight. Um, so we, we, which I think underlines that point, and we're going to follow that up. Of course, by adding another one into the mix on Saturday. So, uh, I, I, if I if I refresh the data after seven games, I think it's going to be exactly the same, considering who, who we've got the weekend. Yeah, exactly, Morgan. Just how well have we done in these first six games? All right, one, two, drawn two, lost two. But I mean, I'd have snapped your hand off for eight points after six games. I think I said this last week. Eight points after five for the Brighton game, but um, even eight points after six. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've. It's not so much the well, it is the points. They're great. I mean, the fact is, we only lost one. It's only one game, isn't it? Two. And uh, but our two. What was the Spurs and Arsenal? Oh yeah, I forgot about the Arsenal game. It was a big day as well. <laughs> yeah, you were drunk then as well. He said. Um, it's it's our performances that have set us apart from our previous two seasons, and I think. It just gives us a lot of confidence, especially going into games against, you know, so-called lesser teams that we will, you know, score goals. We will keep clean sheets. Um, It's, you know, it's the sort of confidence we didn't have coming into certainly last season or sort of 2020, 2021. Was that 2021? Yeah. And it just makes it more exciting, doesn't it? Because you don't spend the whole whole of the time thinking, oh, God, how long do we get relegated? You know, we're we're pushing, you know, pushing for mid-table, I think. Mm. You know, we've come, you know, we've done very well so far to stay within the sort of, you know, the top 10 uh, for the first half and uh, for the first few games. You know, there will be times we're down at, you know, 15th. There might be times we go up to 6th or 7th again, you know. But we're not, you know, automatically thinking that we're going to spend the whole time in the relegation zone. And you look at that team, you look at the bond the team have, the chemistry is there still, as it was, um, you know, in the championship season. And I think the players that we've signed, you know, albeit some of them quite late, um, they seem to have complemented what we have at our disposal already. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how, once they've all gelled together uh, in their training and during games, how we continue to move forward as a team. And obviously with the month break during the World Cup, if we do get to a point in, you know, October, we start losing a few games and they are hitting a bit of sort of, you know, a confidence uh, confidence issue. We've got that month off. You know, there aren't too many of our team that go into the World Cup. And I think that's a chance for a lot of recouping, uh, a lot of recuperating. Um, and I think, you know, this this is going to be a good season. I don't think we're going to be, you know, fifth or sixth. I think, you know, if we're 13th or 14th and then we sort of have a really solid foundation to build on for next year, then, you know, that's something that I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing come May. 
Yeah, I mean, you summed that up quite nicely there, mate. So, uh, well done. <laughs> um, right. Okay, we're going to take a short break. And then coming up in part two, we will be talking about Chelsea at home in the West London derby. Fulham. Right then, guys, on to Chelsea at home on Saturday. And it's going to be a tricky one. But, you know, they might be going into it on a bit of a downer. Uh, just lost 1-0 at Zagreb. Tonight, uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday, and I suppose winning in Zagreb isn't for everyone. Uh, you know, not all West London clubs can do it, but uh, there we go. Um, Morgan, how important is a Chelsea game to you? Is it one that you look out for when the fixtures come out? Yeah, I definitely look out for it. It's still a derby. It's not my, you know, I don't enjoy it as much as the QPR game or the Brentford game, but it's still a game that I look forward to. Um, and I think, you know, for maybe fans of a slightly older generation, you know, when I first started going, um, we were in Division 3. You know, there was no chance of playing Chelsea. Um, but I think sort of back in the back in the day, sorry, Tristan, um, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like there were, those sort of derbies were quite uh, a lot more uh, regular. And so people grew up with them. Whereas, you know, I was used to the sort of the lesser derbies in inverted commas. And, uh, but, you know, we had 13 years of that game as well. And, you know, only one win potentially makes it, you know, a little bit less uh, of a focal point when the fixtures come out. But at the same time now, you know, I look at it and go, well, especially this time around, we've got a chance. Yeah, exactly. I think we do have a chance. And, uh, you know, it's been long enough since we beat Chelsea, Tristan. Uh, March 2006. Do you remember it? I'm sure you probably do. Your memory's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I do. Yeah, it's not um, It's not quite the same as the Brentford one where I haven't actually seen us beat, <laughs> beat them at home and I managed to miss this year's one as well. So, um, yeah, I no, I, I, and Morgan's right. I think there's a generational thing there um, where, you know, Certainly, some of the older fans, myself included, I look at that one as the, the 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 big derby for me. Not not QPR. We never seemed to really play when when I was growing up. Um, so so they never really featured for me. And Brentford were a bit of a sideshow. But yeah, it was always Chelsea for me. So this this one's a, a big one for me, especially where I grew up in in, in Battersea. I was surrounded by them. Um, so yeah, I I, I actually I. I I, I think this is one of the one of the few times that I've, I've kind of gone into one feeling quite confident. Um, so yeah, I, I, I actually I, I I think this is one of the one of the few times that I've, I've kind of gone into one feeling quite confident. Um, I, I think the, the one thing I'd say is it has been a bit one sided, but probably not as one sided as one win in whatever it twenty six that. 30 games, yeah, one win in 30 months. Because there have been, or, or, and certainly were more at the start, there have been yeah. a lot of draws in there. Um, so it, it, it hasn't been like, yeah, they've won every time and we've just nicked that one. They, they, I, I reckon, I haven't actually got it in front of me, I reckon there's, there's probably at least 10 draws in there as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I think, you know, they, they haven't started the season well. I think they can be got at. I think we're on form. I think, Mitrovic is going to cause some problems, and I, I, I think we've uh, we've got a chance this year. And, and obviously, great to see um, them 
preparing for it as well as they have tonight by going to lose in 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 Croatia to a very average Dinamo side. Yeah, I mean they've not started very well. They lost three nil away at Leeds. I think that was at the, you know around the start of the season, and then on the night we played Brighton, they lost two one at Southampton. So they're definitely there for the taking, and I think you know we've been really good at home this season, haven't we? So um. And the last time we played at half twelve, the fans really got behind the team. So I'm expecting I'm expecting a bouncing Craven Cottage on uh, on Saturday. Um, I I I I just say as well that I I think um, I think one of the things that you know never never helped us be, before is obviously we've had you know the large away end or the neutral end in there, and there's you know whenever we've played them, there's been six seven thousand Chelsea in the ground. That's not going to be the case this year. I think you know they'll get their their, their allocation. The, the rest of the Putney ends, you know, predominantly season ticket holders, and there might be a few. You know, I'm sure there'll be a few dotted about touts and family members and stuff like that. But there's certainly not going to be the number of them in the ground that there normally are. And I think that is 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 definitely a a, a positive and a plus that we haven't necessarily had before. While what what in this Premier League era? Yeah, and a very good point that uh, Don's made is that. Uh... You know, there's extra seats in the upper tier of the Riverside stand this weekend as well. I think it's an extra 700, I read. Um, but £100 a pop, you know, it's uh, oh, it's going to be, you know, I'm not I'm not too sure how many they'll sell. They'll probably sell all of them, but uh, how many will be Fulham fans? Who knows? Um, yeah. Going into this weekend, Morgs, is there any changes you'd make to the lineup? Obviously, Robinson, I'm not too sure. I've not seen anywhere about how long he could be out for. Um, so if he is injured, I assume you'd put Kazara in this week. I think it would be, you know, as much as I felt sorry for Mbappe last week, I'd struggle to justify starting him again. No, I definitely, I'd, uh, if Kazawa's fit and he's had a week of training with the team, then I'd bring him in, no doubt. Um, alternatively, if he's not ready, then maybe try Tete at uh, left back. I don't know if he's played there before, but Mbappe was certainly, you know, I imagine he can't be worse than Mbappé was at left back and then having Mbappé at right back. Um, in terms of the rest of the team, I mean, I'd probably bring Dan James in. I think uh, his speed might be quite useful in this game. Um, it was, what was it? It was Cabano, wasn't it? At left back. Uh, sorry, on left wing uh, last Saturday. So maybe sort of um, swap them out. Uh, although I thought Cabano has been very good with the games he's played this season, but I think maybe Dan James just gives a gives a different option. Um, but aside from that, no, I sort of keep the same team. I think um, William off the bench, um, and then you know, we've, yeah, so we've got a stronger bench now. Um, but the first team, I wouldn't change too much unless it's forced. Um, you know, Palina is going to. Big games play, but you know, as we know, he's only one booking away from a suspension. So, what's the game after Chelsea? It's Forest, isn't it? Forest away. So, yeah. yeah Don't. It's I mean, a tricky one. It is. I mean, he's going to get a suspension at some point. He's obviously his style of play is such that he is going to pick up bookings. Um, it's uh, fairly inevitable that he's going to have a two-game suspension at some point for a. You know, collecting 10 bookings. It's just his style of play. It's, you know, unrelenting. Um, and he doesn't take any prisoners. And, you know, that's that referees are going to give him yellow cards for that. Hopefully, they're not. 
you know, they're not unfair challenges a lot of the time. Um, they are fairly brutal, uh, but he doesn't go out to hurt people. He's just a big lad, and his style is cleaning up at the back, you know, in front of the back four. So I think there's a good chance that if he, you know, he'll get his fifth booking this weekend. Um, if he doesn't get it, then he'll get it against Forrest for sure. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think, you know, you can throw these theories out there about what game would you him rather miss, but uh, I don't know. The Premier League's so tricky. I don't think there's, you know, you'd rather he was there for them all. But um, as you say, I think that suspension is coming at some point. Um, right then, guys, want to quickly get your score predictions. Morgs, I'll come back to you on this one. How do you see it going on Saturday? I'm going to go 2-2. I think, uh, I think we'll get something out of the game. Uh, whether it's a win, don't know. But I think, you know, Chelsea are there. Uh, it's not, you know, certainly to be taken in some form. So I'll go 2-2. Two, two. Very nice, mate. Another another goal fest at the cottage. Tristan, what are your predictions? I'm going with four goals, but I'm going 3-1 Fulham. And that'll surprise Ooh. anyone who's listening to this because I'm the most negative fucker going with <laughs> predictions. But I'm going 3-1. I, I actually really fancy this. I fancy, yeah, a couple for Mitro and then... Uh, Someone, someone unexpected, a toes in, or someone will get like a scramble one in from a corner. Three one Fulham. That would that would be lovely. I'm gonna go with two one. Uh, I, I do think we can get something from the game, but there's always that slight pessimist in me. But you know, it's a different season and things are on the up. Right, guys. Just before uh, we finish this episode, there's one thing I quickly want to mention, and that's obviously. Jay Stansfield joining Exeter on loan last week. Um, in the grand scheme of things, as a Fulham fan, obviously I think it's a great move for him to get a loan move, go and get some game time. But um, it, I think it's a really emotional story and the best of luck to him. Um, Morgs, what do you think about the whole Stansfield move? Great for his development, but the uh, you know it's heartwarming, isn't it, at the same time? Oh, I mean, you know, since I've had a daughter, I've become a right big softy. And that one is sort of like, you know, <laughs> sums it up, I think. No, it's, it is lovely. It is, uh, you know, the fact they've um, unretired the number nine shirt worn by his dad for him to wear this season. Um, the fact it's a great opportunity for him to go and develop, hopefully score quite a few goals. Because, I mean, he gave some, you know, put some good performances when he played for us. Um, you know, to the season, but also you know, in that cup game last year and stuff. But he does need a bit, uh, you know, a solid season of first team football. And where better to go and get it? You know, League One is a decent standard. It's not League One from 15 years ago. This is actually, they actually go out and play football these days. So I think he's going to have, you know, a great, uh, great opportunity to grab a load of goals, uh, you know, develop as a player, but also, you know, He's going to want to do well there. You know, he's got a lot of... He's got family there. He's got friends around. The The fans are going to love him for who he is and hopefully for how he plays. So I think it's... Of all the moves that he could have done, um, I think it's probably, you know, the most ideal one. Yeah, and Tristan, he's... You know, I've read that he's turned down a few championship clubs to go back to Exeter. From a solely footballing point of view... Can you see why he's done it? Obviously, if you're not focusing on everything that's happened with his family and Exeter, can you see why he has taken the League One move? Um, yeah, I, I, I actually think, you know, better that where he's going to go and, and probably start, um, you know, the majority of games over the course of a season rather than 
potentially, you know, coming in off the bench and, you know, not, not playing week in, week out in the championship. I think, no, I agree. I can go, I don't know if you guys remember, no, of course you don't, what am I talking about? Jermaine Defoe going down and um, playing for Bournemouth. Oh, I remember that. I'm I'm old. No, there you you go. (laughs) There you go. I did you with injustice. Uh, yeah, do, do, and, and he went down and got something like 11, and, 11 in 13 or something. No, he scored, didn't he score Clearly in like 11 not. straight straight games or something like that? Successive games. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was some, some ridiculous record. But that's the sort of thing that you can see him doing. It's at the same level, you know, third tier. Um, and I think, you know, they, they, look, I think every side wins, don't they? Because I don't think he was, once Vinicius had come in at Fulham, you know, his chances were going to be limited there, especially with us going out the cup already. Um, I, you know, I think it's great for Exeter, and obviously, from a personal point of view, for Jay, it's 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 a lovely story. So I th- I think you know, yeah, every, everyone wins. It's a good it's it's a good uh, o- o- option for everyone. Yeah, absolutely, and um, best of luck to Jay Stansfield this year. I know we're all right behind him, and um, you know, wishing him the best of luck. And you know, I'm sure he's making his dad proud. Right. Well, that's your lot for this week, folks. A big thanks to Morgs and Tristan for joining me for this one. Uh, it's a big game at the Cottage against Chelsea on Saturday lunchtime. So let's get behind the boys and make it a good one. And we will see you there. Cheers. <laughs>